Pray with me, please. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we ask that you would be glorified now. May your word be planted deeply in us, that you would transform us into the image of your Son, that we might bring you glory. I pray, God, that whatever I say that brings you glory would remain anything that is not from you. God, I pray that it would be quickly forgotten, that you might receive all of the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. There's been much happening this week, and you may have missed it, uh, but a significant event occurred in this past week. Uh, a company called SpaceX launched NASA satellites, uh, NASA astronauts actually right into space. And it was the first time we've had a manned mission in some time. The name of the astronauts were Robert uh, Bob Benkin and Doug Hurley. Um, and it's been the first American effort in almost 10 years. And their goal, uh, which they achieved, was to dock with the International Space Station on a mission that will take up to four months. And you can see the picture of them there. And we had kind of an unprecedented look. Earlier reports, uh, however, that it was um, Canadian brothers, Bob and Doug McKenzie, were proven to be false. Enter laughter here. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. Shortly after this event, uh, this was one of the many memes that was circulated around the interwebs. Congratulations to the astronauts that left Earth today. Good choice because people have been experiencing so much trouble and so many problems that people were like, great job just checking out. And unfortunately, that's not uh, our job. SpaceX gives us an unprecedented look into space travel and what it actually takes. There was a, a camera in the cockpit, you could see it. At one point, there was a, a, a dinosaur came floating into the scene because they had achieved zero gravity and somebody put a dinosaur in the cockpit. And so you got this crazy look at what, when I was growing up, you would never have been able to see uh, what they saw and what we were able to experience. 19 short hours after it launched, SpaceX docked with the International Space Station. So they went from the Earth to a space station in 19 hours. And in an equally incredible feat, the rocket used for launch is reusable. I don't know if you know this, but it successfully landed back on Earth, get this, on a platform in the ocean. So there's some really smart people doing a lot of mathematics in order for that to happen. They were doing some things that we just haven't seen before. And I knew that it took an amazing amount of work and practice and testing, but I did, had no idea. And I watched as Dragon X, is the name of the ship that they used, approached the space station. I lost count how many times they ran tests and they would, they would approach and test and approach and test and adjust and, and keep doing this. So it was incredible. It was always adjusting, always testing and still moving forward. And I think our scriptures have a similar message today. Always testing, always adjusting, always moving forward. Trinity Sunday gives us a chance to assess 
where we are as we are moving forward. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now that is a massive challenge. It's a huge task. It isn't just docking with a space station, which is impressive, but this goes beyond that. It's more than landing on a pad in the ocean. This is world-changing. This is eternity-affecting and heart-rending work. The God of the universe, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Spirit of truth, this holy community of love, And unity has asked and assigned us with a task of going forward and making disciples and teaching them. And if we're actually going to take seriously Jesus' words, then we have some difficult questions we have to ask, like, how how are we doing? Are we doing this? What does it look like? What kinds of adjustments do we need to make? And I think that's why Paul offered the words that he did in Corinthians He knows what's at stake. He's experienced firsthand what this means as he goes out and tries to make disciples. And he knows acutely of what it is that the Lord is calling us to be. In 2 Corinthians 13, he says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. You have to remember that Paul has continually had to prove himself as an apostle. People would hear him talk and they would say, yeah, but what do you know? So he's had to explain and show and model and adjust and reveal so that he would get their ear and their hearts. He's literally had to pass their test and now he's asking them to test themselves. And he says, Christ is in you. And we know that's true from the scriptures from Matthew, where he says, I will be with you. And one of his biggest pleas is that Christ will be in you. So don't do wrong. Do what's right for truth's sake. Paul's authority is for building up, not tearing down. And so much of what we experience when we experience somebody asking us to do something that we feel like, oh my gosh, this is so difficult. I'm not sure how I'm going to do this. It feels like they're tearing us down and not trying to build us up. But there's a testing that's required to find out what you need going forward. And Paul is saying to the Corinthians, you got to have restoration. There has to be restoration. If you're going to represent Jesus Christ in Corinth, You have to be restored. He says, comfort each other. Don't divide yourselves. Comfort one another. As you are doing this thing called walking with Jesus, as you are going to try to make disciples, and as you are living your life in communion with the Holy Trinity, comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. I think those are timely words. 
He also says, greet one another with a holy kiss, which I would say, don't do that. It's not COVID safe. You can't keep social distance and kiss each other, please. Don't do that. That's supposed to be funny. Again, what, what, what is this testing that Paul is talking about and this examination? What does it actually look like? What does it mean to take a good, hard look at yourself, your relationship with Jesus and your relationship with others? Again, the goal of, of, of having that kind of thing, the testing, isn't to produce guilt or shame. It's for the task of he- ahead. You know, you, you check the tires on the car before you go, or you do those things to make sure that it's ready. Communing with the Holy Trinity is the way forward. Paul is pushing that ahead and ahead. So we have to look in the mirror once in a while to see if we're ready, if we're even if we're ready to go out. I mean, in the season that we're in, if you if you decided to go out in public after being in quarantine for a while, I recommend looking in the mirror. You know, just do a little you know, check and see if you're good because a little examination to make sure you're ready is important. That way you won't scare yourself and scare other people or the normals, as the Shear family would say. Or how about the bride or the groom? They give one last look in the mirror before they walk down the aisle. Frequently I've heard brides say, do I look okay? How do I look? Before they present themselves to be wedded How much more, then, might we need to examine ourselves to answer the call of God on our lives? We do it all the time. It's a normal thing to do. I think when it comes to our relationship with Christ, we get concerned. It need not be that. I would humbly offer that the first step of self-examination is awareness. Asking God to reveal to you any places that he is not in charge of your life. Press into listening to God around your heart and your mind. Pay attention to what he's saying. There's, the scriptures say, search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me. Know my thoughts. See if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. So some questions you could ask are, are there any places you've allowed sin to sit and to fester? Are you bitter? Are you angry? Have you harbored anger toward someone? Has it been years? Have you oriented your life around your pain? It's it's like a sore tooth. You just chew on the other side, right? But the tooth never gets better. In fact, it gets worse. It does get worse. It doesn't just affect your mouth. It gets infected and can get into your bloodstream. It can actually lead to death. Not addressing heart issues like this leads quickly to disease and death. And it's just from not taking care of things. Sin works just like that. We have to test our hearts. And there are times in our lives where things are occurring 
and we're experiencing trials and, and it can be revealed to us what's going on inside. Pay attention to that. And what about our heads? Are we meditating upon that which gives us life? It's easy to sit and stew and chew on things. I know it is for me. I've spent more time dwelling on the past and maybe what people have done to me or how I felt wronged than who Christ is and what he's done for me. There's a simple principle in self-defense that says your body follows your head. Well, the truth is, is that what you think about and what you chew on will lead to action in the same way. Our hearts and our heads have to be engaged in order for us to have awareness. So when you're testing, when you're asking God about what he has for you going forward, you have to be aware. And it's been my experience that most people stop there. They say things like, you know, hey, I, I know this is true. I'm working on it. You know, give me some space. They don't necessarily want to hear me or other people say, where are you at with this? Because they're facing it on their own. This means we, as Christians, we say, we, I know I'm sick. I have to go to the great physician. We can't just simply acknowledge that it's there. Because he's the lover of our souls. But if we go to him and, and we don't follow through on his advice, many of you who are doctors or nurses know what I'm talking about. You don't finish your antibiotic. You don't do what is required. You just live with it. It's not the way that God would have his children to live. So awareness is one thing. But testing also brings about repentance. When God shows you what he wants you to surrender to him, it's time to repent. And I don't know what that looks like for you, but it's a tough step. It's a really hard step. And you may think of somebody waving a Bible or having a sign or shouting at you that's saying, hey, you need to repent. But it can be as gentle as a cool breeze. It says, remember how much I love you. I want you to turn around. Lamenting over our incompleteness or over our error is an important thing to do. This is why we confess in worship the things that we have done and the things that we have left undone because they're sins of omission and they're sins of commission. Things that I actively did that were wrong and things that I should have done that were right. And if I can be real with you, I think, I think I see a lot of repentance over what's happening in our country over the last week or so. The George Floyd murder has sparked outrage, protest, and for sure testing. Many people who are not actively and actually racist are repenting, including myself. I've been made aware of and repent of the fact that while I'm not a racist, I haven't actively fought in the way that I should against it or for other people of color. 
It's one thing not to engage in racism and racist activities, but it's another thing to actively fight against it. And I lament and weep over it. And I will be different going forward. Recently, I was with several hundred or several thousand people who are expressing similar sentiment. You see, if we were just aware of the problem and we did nothing, it doesn't make much sense and nothing changes. We maybe don't actually allow Christ to get at our heart of what he's trying to get us to repent from. So for me this week, that was definitely what it's been. And it might be something different for you, I don't know. I'm grateful because our church is going to take the opportunity to talk specifically about the issues of race in our society and our church in a coming series in the gospel and culture within the next few weeks. And I, I look forward to that. So testing means that we become aware and testing means that we repent. And the final part of testing is to actually rise. Just like the SpaceX astronauts, you can do all the testing you want, but until you launch and until you go to space and come home safely, it really doesn't matter much. It's all just theory. But when you step into the life that God has for you in Jesus Christ by virtue of his Holy Spirit, you start to rise. And the church has to rise. As we embrace our identity as image bearers of God, as he heals our wounds and breathes his life into us, we must rise to the task that Jesus has called us to. And he's with us. And by virtue of his Holy Spirit, he resides in us. He restores us, as Paul said to the Corinthians. He brings us peace. He unites us and he brings comfort to us and he wants to test us and he wants us to test ourselves we must be about the work of sharing the gospel the good news that this triune God that we celebrate loves us and he's calling us to go and make disciples this world is in desperate need of hope and if the church itself is hopeless and divided full of strife it will be difficult to make disciples and it will be difficult to share where the hope is found in this world we are a city set on a hill we are the light in the darkness we are the hope of the world, always testing and adjusting, but moving forward. Brothers and sisters, testing ourselves in the face of a triune God is the only sensible thing to do. Through awareness and repentance and rising, the church can reflect the God we say we serve. We can more completely fulfill the Great Commission in more like better and creative and healthy and beautiful ways as we do this. It doesn't always look like what we think it should. 
We can offer hope to a beleaguered world where people won't need to be talking about escaping earth, but talking about having met the one who is enamored with them and is the lover of their souls. My brothers and sisters, if you are lacking comfort and if you're lacking peace and there's no restoration for you, run to the triune God. Allow him to minister to you, to breathe his life into you that we as God's people may be able to more fully reflect him This task is so much harder than what SpaceX accomplished. And yet he's with us. So go in and with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.